Hello, and welcome to More is Afraid of the Dark, but not really the podcast. The podcast where I discuss the series, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Today's podcast is the premiere of Season 2. That's right, tonight I'm talking about The Tale of the Final Wish. Hello listeners, and welcome to the Season 2 of the podcast of More is Afraid of the Dark, but Not Really. Tonight's episode is also the season premiere of the second season of Are You Afraid of the Dark? The Tale of the Final Wish, which is told by Kristen, our resident fairy tale lover. The Tale of the Final Wish originally aired on June 19, 1993, and it's notable for having a guest star. I would say that this is probably the first guest star that the series ever had for its time. Now, as the series progressed, it did have a bunch of other notable guest stars, um, people who were up and coming at the time. For example, Nev Campbell will make an appearance in season three of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Season two, I would say, actually really kicked off the episodes having guest stars, this episode having one by the comedian named of uh, Bobcat Goldwaif. Another notable guest star in season two will be Melissa Joan Hart in The Tale of the Frozen Ghost. The Tale of the Final Wish overall is the 14th episode of the series. And with that portion out of the way, let's segue into the episode summary portion of our podcast. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. And if you're a continuing listener, I want to welcome you back. But for those of you wondering, this podcast is actually a supplemental tool for the blog, More is Afraid of the Dark But Not Really, which is available for anybody to read on WordPress. And if you want, you can follow along because this is basically just me reading the blog out loud to you. And then I add in some like other little bits and pieces because right before I record these podcasts, I rewatch the episode and I might think of other things to say in there. Let's start this podcast right with a quote from our storyteller. A fairy tale can soon become a scary tale. Kristen, circa 1993. Wow, can you believe it? We're on season two of Are You Afraid of the Dark? This is also the last season we will see Kristen and David before their families had to move away. We are told why they had to move away. It's just Gary kind of gave us closure with the fact that in season three's opening episode, he said that their families decided to move away. I can only guess that there was some sort of crippling economic outpour in the um, Ontario region of Canada, and it forced their families to move westward towards Vancouver. The night starts with Kristen reading a fairy tale to David. They are having some fun alone time near the campfire. Maybe David finally confessed his undying love for her over the break? We don't know. Anyway, Frank walks in to the clearing and sees the book in Kristen's hand. He tells her that fairy tales are weak. This exchange of dialogue is very similar to that of Hooker and Betty Ann in The Tale of the Dollmaker, which we'll see next season, because Tucker doesn't exist in the series at this point. Kristen, who always dresses up for the occasion of her stories to match the theme, is dressed kind of like a beer wench. Also, this is the first time Kristen is not late. 
the Gary must have put her on notice the last time she was late and said, you know, if you can't be on time, uh, we're going to kick you out. We have like a line of people who would love to join our Midnight Society who have told me several times they would be here on time, Kristen. It's time you get your act together. Get your life together. You know, show up here on time at midnight, not at half past midnight. We have lives also. So after Frank comes to the clearing, Betty Ann and Gary are the next to enter the circle as David is telling Frank about the real fairy tales and how they are, you know, not really kitty stories. Gary mentions that the stories are full of stabbings and demons. Betty Ann mentions her favorite. She says the one where the old woman kidnaps the prince and puts blood on the queen's mouth while she's sleeping to make the king think she ate him. Maybe this is why other members think her stories are gory? Hmm, I guess that's something to ponder about. David responds, that's so gross. I love it. I think David and Betty Ann hang out together outside of meetings to watch slasher flicks. Well, or at least they used to until David's family moved away. Also on note, I think that David um, may have gone through puberty in between seasons because his voice is a little deeper and he has a little bit more confidence about him. But all this talk about the real fairy tales isn't swaying Frank, oh no. Frank, however, is not buying it as he says, a kitty story is a kitty story, no matter how you cut it. Then Kiki shows up and she reacts the same way as Frank. The gang gathers around the fire as Kristen takes her place in the storyteller's chair and she tells them a fairy tale can soon become a scary tale. Kristen grabs the bag of midnight dust, puts her hand in it, takes it out, throws it into the fire, and says the magical words submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story the tale of the final wish. So as I mentioned before, this episode has a guest star, Bobcat Goldwaith from Police Academy fame. This was also the first of many guest stars in Are You Afraid of the Dark for season two. Our story begins with an homage to Snow White, where we meet our main character, Jill. Jill is having a nightmare. A beautiful woman tries to get her to eat a poison apple before turning around into an evil queen and saying she will force her to eat it. Jill then wakes up to get a drink of water. When Jill returns to her room and sits on her bed, two um, hands come out from underneath it, sending Jill running into her parents' room. They tell her it is just a nightmare, but reluctantly go into her room. Her dad checks under the bed and finds, wait for it, an old plate of food. Jill's mom makes fun of her for having this reaction, and she tries to tell Jill that it was just a nightmare, and Jill swears up and down that it wasn't. At this point, Jill's brother's standing in the doorway, and he asks his parents what's happening, and they tell him that Jill just had another nightmare. Once the parents leave, he confesses to being under the bed and scaring her, because according to him, she must want something to be under there, as she is always looking. I used to think something was under my bed as well, but I was probably either eight or nine at the time, so I think that's understandable. Also, Jill's bedroom looks um, not unlike an Ikea showroom. If you haven't caught on so far, Jill's kind of the black horse of the family. Um, she's the family member that all of them kind of rag on. Her brother makes fun of her for liking fairy tales, and her dad's just upset that he never seems to get a full night of sleep. And her mom, she can't decide if she wants Jill to grow up or stay a child. The next morning, Jill takes her time getting ready for school, 
which causes a problem because she misses her bus and her mom's angry she has to drive her to school now and she's going to be late to work. Her family tells her to grow up and to leave the fantasy world behind. Once at school, Jill's friends, and I'm using quotes here, friends, who are total biatches, are ogling over the resident seventh grade hottie. He doesn't have a name. Well, I mean, he does, but it wasn't like a big enough deal for me to pay attention to it. I think it might be Ryan or Rick or something, but in my blog post, I just called him Frank. So we're just going to refer to him as Frank, but not Frank, the Midnight Society member. So Frank walks over and asks Jill for the reading assignment from yesterday. Her bitchy friends then proceed to embarrass her in front of Frank by pulling out her fairy tale books and a troll doll. Frank doesn't seem to bother bothered by it, but um, Jill gets embarrassed and grabs her bag and runs off. That night, Jill has a weird fantasy dream about Frank, only this time he's dressed as Prince Charming and is about to kiss her when she wakes up. Her brother, who I think is obsessed with her, is standing next to the foot of her bed and he's wearing a mask and he scares her. She kicks him out of her room and she sits next to the window. She's also clutching the Sandman book and she says, I wish everybody would just leave me alone. Jill goes back to sleep and wakes up again at some point during the night and out from her bed pops the Sandman, aka Bobcat Goldwaith. So when Bobcat Goldwaith, or I'm sorry, the Sandman pops out from underneath Jill's bed. She screams and there's like this wind tunnel effect that happens because she's clutching the door frame, but the wind is like so powerful it sucks her under the bed and we're treated to some really horrible CGI technology. I think um, the Coraline scene um, where she's going to the other mother's house, you know, that tunnel that's textured like uh, fabric. That's exactly what the CGI looks like. And it's, it's really horrible. So Jill gets to the other side of this tunnel and she sees all these people that are kind of floating midair and they're asleep, and in the background you can hear like the noise of a ticking uh, clock. And as it turns out, the Sandman took her back to his lair in the Land of Nod, where Jill sees her friends and family peacefully sleeping away. The Sandman tells her that they will now sleep forever since she wished for it. Jill says she did not, but the Sandman reminds her that he, she sat and wished on a star, clutching his book and said, What's wrong with wanting to live in a world where you can wish on a star? I wish everybody would leave me alone. Only he does it in his Bobcat Goldwith voice, and so it sounds really, uh, different. And now, listeners, in honor of season two and our first guest star, Bobcat Goldwith, I will now read that line again, do an impression of Bobcat Goldwaith. <clears throat> What's wrong with wanting to live in a world where you can wish on a star? I wish everybody would leave me alone. The Sandman tells her this is her fairy tale and offers to tell her the ending before saying he cannot because that would be cheating. Also, the Sandman must suffer from hearing loss as he does not speak in a normal tone, but literally screams at her the entire time and he is quickly becoming my least favorite character of all time in this series. 
Like, I might actually like Eric better than, th than this fool. Plus, he has crazy eyes. You know, when people look like they never blink, that is what he looks like. But I have a feeling that's just Bobcat Goldwaith. Jill is, like, kind of freaked out by everything that's happening. So she tries to run away from him. And she opens all these various different doors. And they're different stories that she opens the doors to. So one of them was the witch from Hansel and Gretel. One of them was the Queen of Hearts, who was like off with her head. And I want to say there was also one for Snow White, but I can't really remember. Before long, Jill runs back into the Sandman and she demands to be sent back to her world and threatens to break his sand timer. The Sandman pleads with Jill not to break the timer because that would alter the course of her story. Jill and the Sandman exchange some words and at first he had told Jill that he doesn't, he cannot change her story because fairy tales have to basically play out. But then Jill realizes that was a lie because if she breaks his timer, she's changing the course of her own story. So Jill decides to break the timer and there is some more horrible CGI effect and I feel they really overdid it on the purple. Jill is sent back to her world and wakes up screaming. Her parents run into her room and she laughs and she tells them it was just a dream. They are all confused and I think she might need to stop taking LSD before bed. Her mom tells her while, she's while she is happy Jill is going to grow up, not to grow up completely since she is still a kid. Make your mind up, mom. First, you complain that she's too childish, and now you don't want her to grow up fast? You can't have it both ways. The episode ends with the Sandman flipping open his book again and rifling through the pages of one of his stories called The Tale of the Final Wish. And he basically says that if the girl only knew what awaited for her, and she would have never stepped foot in her world again. And then he just does this crazy ass laugh where the book abruptly slams itself shut. At least I think that's what he said at the end. I kind of went in and out when I rewatched this episode, to be honest, because it just, it didn't interest me. But I'll get into that when I talk about my thoughts. We are then taken back to the campfire where Kristen ends her story and the gang congratulates her on a great story. Even Frank and Kiki. Frank takes Kristen's hand on bended knee and it looks like he may propose to her and says, I just have one question. Where's the part about the kids getting their heads chopped off? They all laugh at Frank as if to say, Oh, Frank. Gary even shakes his head and smiles. It ends with them gathering around Frank, who is now looking at Kristen's book. Gary once again does not declare the meeting over, and they haven't put out the fire yet. I assume this is because Kristen is going to read them another story. The End And now it's time 
were Mora's thoughts. Now that we have the basic rundown of the episode, we can now review it. Not necessarily review as much as give our thoughts and opinions on the episode. A lot of reviewers might give it on a scale of 1 to 10. I don't tend to do that. I just tend to just say how I feel about the episode in general. I will say, however, at the end of each season, I'll give like my favorite episodes and like my favorite villains. So in that regards, I do a scale for that, but I don't do it for each individual episode. So I won't be like, oh, I give this five out of 10. So these were my thoughts about the tale of the final wish. I can't help but feel that the writers were inspired by the Jim Henson fantasy classic, Labyrinth, as this episode has many similarities. For example, in Labyrinth, Sarah has to go to the Goblin King to get her baby brother back. In the tale The Final Wish, Jill has to defeat the Sandman to free her family and friends from eternal slumber. So you can see, while they're two separate stories, one being Sarah going to the Goblin King to get her brother, and Jill being in the Land of Nod to try and free her friends and family from eternal slumber. I wish they could have gotten David Bowie to play the Sandman. I think he would have been really good. I had written that my first thought was I liked the story, as I felt it was a nice change, and Kristen was a good storyteller. However, I could have also seen this as being told by Betty Ann, and if it was told by Betty Ann, it would have had more of an ambiguous ending, and it probably would have been more of, um, this is a consequence and this is what happens kind of a story. Similarly, I could also see this as a David story. Maybe he had some people picking on him, and so this was his way of dealing with it was through um, creating a character who was going through a similar circumstance. But for her, it was she needed to grow up, and for him, it was he didn't want to get picked on or something. My second thought was um, about Frank. Not Frank, the person I renamed in the story, but Frank, the Midnight Society member. I had written, I think the way Frank is portrayed in this episode shows him as a struggling student who probably does not read much. And that was just based off the fact that this club, well, this Midnight Society is a society that was founded to tell scary stories verbally not retell stories that are already written. So maybe Frank has never been told the original scary version of the fairy tales. And that's why he was so reluctant when he saw what Kristen was going to be telling. A story that was based off of the real scary tales and not like the made-up Disney-style kind. My third thought was I really did not like the Sandman. He yells way too much for my liking, and I did not care about Jill either. In fact, while I did like the story, I did not like the actors or the characters they portrayed. I think if they would have gotten a better cast, it would have been better. Or maybe they just needed to rewrite the story because it fell weak in several areas where it shouldn't have. It just, every time something I thought was going to happen would happen, it didn't. And this story, sorry, this tale had a lot of potential to be a lot scarier. And I don't think that the writers went there because they felt it would scare children. But the thing is, is children who watch the show wanted to be scared. So they actually shortchanged us by giving us this fluff piece. And 
when I think of someone like the Sandman, I don't think of someone who's in your face yelling at you. I think of a nice calming presence and a nice calming voice. And I really don't think they cast the right person. In this instance, Bobcat Goldwaith, because number one, none of the kids knew who he was. Like, I'm almost positive nobody who watched the episode would have been old enough to watch Police Academy and would have been like, oh, that's Bobcat Goldwaith. That was purely put in there probably for their parents. As I had mentioned earlier, I think that David Bowie would have been a good choice, but I also don't think Are You Afraid of the Dark had the budget to hire David Bowie to play the Sandman, but someone who had that sort of presence and that calming yet creepy ish voice would have been a hundred times better than Bobcat Goldwaith because he was just over the top in your face and it was hard to tell during certain points of watching this and even re-watching it now okay was this supposed to be some sort of weird horror comedy or what because he it looks like he didn't take the role seriously and whoever was doing the casting for this episode must have been a huge fan of his and was like Bobcat we have this role of the Sandman why don't you try and do your best impression of what you think you would sound like and they liked it but they didn't test it in front of children because children would have been like no this is a horrible choice and bobcat if you ever by any chance happen to listen to this podcast and you want to come on and you want to say this is why i took this role this is why i portrayed him as i did please let me know send me a dm on twitter or uh email me i would love to hear why you portrayed him as you did and it's not me saying, I think you're a horrible actor. It's just me saying, I don't think it was the right match for a child's show. In fact, going and thinking about the rest of the series, I think you would have been excellent if you were cast as the Ghastly Grinner because your voice would have matched the character. And I think it would have been a really great role for you to have if you were going to come back to Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, maybe one thing I'll do on this podcast and on the blog is I would write my dream cast of guest people who were on the show but reimagined in different episodes where I think they would fit in better. Also, I didn't uh, give the fun fact of this episode. So since I'm already talking about how I didn't like the actors in this case, um, here's your fun fact, listeners. The fun fact is the girl who played Jill, Samantha Chemerica, she'll reappear in season five. Only she has a different name in season five, but it's the tale of the chameleons where she plays uh, Tia and Tamara Maori's best friend, uh, Sharon. And she has to choose which one of the twins is the evil chameleon and which is the real girl, Janice. My fourth thought in this episode was Gary and Biddy Ant walked in together and based on their body language they displayed, I thought that perhaps they had started a relationship, but maybe they are just best friends. I mean, their relationship takes a drastically different turn in season three for various reasons. The introduction of Betty Ann's friend Sam from school, for example, Gary has a huge crush on her and that's a story arc in the Midnight Society that carries over into the fifth season, but I'm not going to spoil it for you anymore. So those were my four major thoughts for this first episode of season two, the season two premiere episode of The Tale of the Final Wish as told by Kristen. 
So, listeners, did you have the same thoughts I did? Did you also have strong opinions about the casting decisions in this episode? If so, let me know. Leave a comment down below. Reach out to me on Twitter. Come by the blog and leave a message. You can find me on Twitter by my Twitter Twitter handle, which is it's just Mora. Or you can leave me a message on the blog. And once again, the blog is called Mora's Afraid of the Dark, but not really, which can be found on WordPress. So I'm happy to be back now. But as I said earlier in this podcast, I don't know how frequent these podcasts will be going up. As I mentioned, I did get a new job, so I'm no longer unemployed. And if I do end up recording, chances are these won't get uploaded until Saturday. Who knows, maybe I'll get into a rhythm that'll work and I can upload more frequently. But until then, I would say don't expect more than one episode a week, although it might be every other week. Who knows, it just really depends how busy I get. Well, listeners, join me next time as we discuss the Season 2, Episode 2 tale, The Tale of Midnight Madness, which is told by Frank. And if it's a Frank story, you know that there's a 70% chance of our special doctor making an appearance. That's right, it's the return of Dr. Vink, who's totally not a nutbag. So until next time, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story... The Tale of More is Afraid of the Dark, but not really the podcast. Season 2, Episode 1, Closed.